Welcome everyone to episode 13 of Raw Sport. My name is Ahmed Al-Huli. I am your host. And as he does every single week, Mr. Tony Sheen, my co-host, joins me on the show. Tony, how are you, buddy? How's things? Ahmed, great to be back with you on another great episode of Raw Sports. Can't wait. And we also have some breaking news, Ahmed. Wow, what's that, mate? Our first sponsor has reached out. Oh, yeah, we'll keep a lid on that, though. We won't well, share too, too the, much. The people are speaking. Absolutely, mate. And that's, and that's what we love. We love to see people tuning in, uh, listening, and, you know, and we're, we're adding some sort of value to society. That's Not that, some sort of value, massive value. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we've had a big couple of days since our last episode. Eddie Maguire stood up in the middle of a restaurant, taps on his cup of wine, and gets everyone's attention and announces Maynard has been cleared by the tribunal. There's been mixed reactions with this one. Some are saying it's really cringe. Some are saying good on him. He's a true, passionate former president and supporter of the club and power to him, and we need more of him in today's world. What are your thoughts, buddy? Well, you know what? I have been a critic of Eddie Maguire in the past, but I think the former Collingwood president had an audience at a restaurant in Hawthorne called Choi's. It's an uh, exclusive Chinese restaurant in the heart of Hawthorne in enemy territory for the former Pies president. And he got up and announced that Braden Maynard had been cleared from the AFL tribunal for knocking out Angus Brayshaw. Now, Armin, you and I have had many discussions about this since this video appeared on social media on Tuesday night via Dale Thomas, via the former Collingwood and Carlton star. I cannot work out for the life of me why cancel culture is so prominent in today's world. Why can't Eddie Maguire stand up and announce that Braden Maynard had been cleared and that justice had been served? No, he can. It's a free world. He can do whatever he wants. Um, some people would say that's showboating. That's that's too much. Who cares? Yeah. I I, I love the passion. I'm, I'm all about passion and commitment because nobody has done for the magpie what, what, what that guy has done. When he took over, that place was in a lot of trouble. And Let's put it that way. It was yeah. a ambles. Yeah. They're the biggest club in the AFL right now. If you look at their the commercial value, their numbers are unbelievable. And they're a very su successful club. They're almost the gateway now for brands to come and launch into, into the country. They're, they are a massive club. So anyway, he, this is a guy who's very passionate about, about the Collingwood Magpies. And power to him. Good on him. I, I totally agree. I have no qualms in what he did the other Tuesday night in announcing that Brayshaw, Brayshaw that uh, Maynard had been cleared. Well, now the other thing is, and I know this is a hypothetical, which we don't like doing on Raw Sports, but had Dale Thomas not posted that to Instagram, would it have been a, a big issue? No. Well, I still, I the only criticism I have is that Dale Thomas didn't get a proper view of it. Oh, I think it's fantastic, and. I don't care that Eddie Maguire showboats. I think somebody who has unbridled passion is allowed to do as he chooses. The Daily Mail is an incredibly popular media platform, but the way they have designed new media, you can have two people call out Eddie Maguire and suddenly it becomes cancel culture in a story. What about the 3,000 or the 3 million 
who have actually turned around and supported Maguire. Now it's become a talking topic, whether it's divisive. Well, media companies don't don't report the facts anymore. They 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 build a narrative that suits them. So Correct. it's <laughs> an agenda. Yeah, exactly. So at the end of the day, a, a lot of what you're seeing today in today's world is this this new generation coming through, the millennials and and the ones underneath them. It's almost like these older I wouldn't call Eddie a boomer. He's not a boomer. Um, these these older executives and older leaders that that they they want to be rid rid of them and they they want to push their their way forward, their views, their ideology, and their agendas forward. It's almost like it's it's the it's the taking over. But what I've learned through life and experience is that the older leaders were leaders for a reason. They need to be around and they need to be listened to because if they're not, you're going to make the mistakes that they made and you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. Well, we discussed this on Tuesday's episode, how today's culture and tomorrow's culture is lacking so much. They are a different breed. They lack manners, they lack common sense, and they lack drive. Now, look, I can't speak for everybody because not everybody lacks drive or ambition and uh, is devoid of manners, but the majority of kids these days, from about I don't know, maybe you know, one to twenty-five, they are a different breed. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and and it's causing these sporting leagues a lot a lot of headaches around the world, actually, which they're having to deal with them very very different. Especially the AFL, it was, it was a big problem for for Noble. Fagan had to calm down. Um, a lot of players in today's world, a lot of coaches have had to adjust just to be able to deal with with this younger generation that's been coming up. But but we, we, we don't want to, you know, talk too, too too much about it. I mean, good on him, power to him. He's proud of his club, great moment. It's gone viral. The whole the whole country now is now talking about Eddie Maguire and the Magpies. And then if they pull off a win next week, it's even better. Yeah, and he's got a thick skin. So, you know what, I think he likes the adulation, but I really don't think he gives us stuff. But what, well, well, look at it this way. Imagine being... That relevant that a small, uh, like a toast almost, whatever or, or whatever you want to call it, you do in a small restaurant in Hawthorne, then you get the whole country talking about you. So there's value there too, right? When you want to push something, you can. So oh, there's no doubt every time he speaks, people listen and it usually ends up in a publication. Exactly. Um, we'll keep going. Laura Kane took the Maynard situation directly to the tribunal. Um, I think she's copped a bit of criticism already about this now. That she acted too quickly. Um, it's almost like she wanted to make herself present and stamp her presence on the or stamp her mark on the on the whole situation and be just so people moving forward know oh, this is what's gonna happen, you know. I say, Hey, hello, I'm Laura Kane. I am now here. This is the way it's gonna work. <laughs> what do you reckon? <laughs> uh, I'm look, you know what? I know we have been vocal critics of Laura Kane, and I think it is justified. And we have some uh, fresh news on that situation. I understand Michael Christian, he is the match review officer for the AFL. He deemed it um, Maynard's hit on Angus Brayshaw from last Thursday night's qualifying final as insufficient and was going to let him off. Laura Kane then spoke to Michael Christian handed him a document and said, 
you will validate this document on behalf of the MRO being the adjudicating officer. He declined and Laura Kane overrode his authority and said this will go straight to the tribunal. This So there is, it sounds like there is some um, uh, friction between the general manager of football, Laura Kane, who's been in the job three weeks, and the match, re- match review officer, Michael Christian. They're not on the same page. What is going to happen, Ahmed? They're going to get rid of him. That's what's, that's what's going to happen. Do you believe that? Yeah, firmly. What, based on this decision alone? Correct. So who do they bring in? Somebody that, that works with their with what they're trying to push. Well, but we discussed this when she was appointed, that we feared for the future of the AFL and a lot of their decisions going forward are based on concussion insurance premiums rather than the objectivity of a, being a, a physical contact sport. I am willing to make this statement right now live on Raw Sport. Go for the, it. The AFL is going to look very, very different in the next two to three years. And when I say different, it's going to be a lot softer. You are um, going to – wow. Yeah, it's going you to heard be, it here first, fans. Yeah. I believe that Ahmed is right. Yeah. But that, well, I think fans have a right to be fearful. Fans are going to slowly tune out because the game is going to become like watching people running up and down. The excitement component is going to be – I'd say less because the, the, the contact is what makes you and brings you into the game. It gives you that feeling. It pumps you up. It gets the male ego going. It gets the, you know, you, you know so this is, this is the stuff that brings people into football games. Unfortunately, with these appointments, um, Andrew Dillon, I'm actually quite concerned, to, 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 be, to be quite frank with you. I don't believe the game is heading in the right direction. I believe the game is going to be now based, continue to be a mouthpiece for the federal government and work on this agenda that's been pushed by the, the, the federal government and state governments down, especially in Victoria. And I'm going to say this, the, de- the, the masculinity in society now is a threat to this agenda and they don't want it. So this is the agenda that's 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 ruling the league. It's ruling, ruling government. It's ruling leagues. It's ruling state governments. It has to filter through eventually to these sporting codes, and this is what happens. We're going to see a lot softer game moving forward. It's a tragedy. You know what? You are spot on, and it's brilliant that you've been able to marry up the agenda and the narrative and the ideology of the AFL being an extension of the federal government because you're right, because masculinity threatens authority. So they will use the AFL, as usual, to reduce collisions, thereby reducing masculinity in the AFL, and then it will filter through to society. You are spot on. It's the smartest thing you've ever said. So that's, that is normal. That's going to happen. And because sport is... It's not normal. It's abnormal. We've been masculine beings for thousands of years. You know, I'm just talking about the these leagues becoming mouthpieces. They, they're, they're getting government grants. If you're getting money from the government, automatically, what are you going to do? It's hundreds of millions of dollars a year. What do you think is going to happen? What? Tell That's me. What, what, what the um, uh, Prime Minister Albanese said to Gillan McLaughlin, 
if you support the yes vote, we will give you the stadium in Tasmania. And, and did you or did you not? Correct. I did. But, but the grand final situation was a bit of an interesting one. Now, them, for them to say we won't promote it on grand final day, that means they've either got a sense of that it's going down the old Googler or there's something not, not right between the relationship. They must have asked for something and didn't get it. I don't know. Time will tell. Just like everything on earth, time heals and time tells. So anyway, this is the the league as a whole is in is in trouble in my opinion. Uh, forecasting forward. If you look at the NFL and you look at the innovation that comes to the table and you look at the game, right, it's a hard game. It's physical. They're dressed from top to bottom. They're wearing helmets. They're hitting each other at 100 kilometers a, a second. They're full power, full tilt. The training is intense. It's a man's game, right? Look at everything is hard. Just getting dressed makes you makes you tired. Just the way they have to get dressed, right? They got to put so much on, and everything is a set play, set play, strategy, 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 contact, strategy, contact, strategy, contact. It's different, right? The masculinity there is appreciated. Mm. Here it's not. Because we're a smaller country and authority needs control all the time. The big boys, the big boys from um, Europe and the United States and potentially, you know, uh, Eastern Bloc countries and China are using Australia as a guinea pig. So they will trial everything on a small island nation like Australia with 26 million people. Then if it works, they implement it overseas. What you're, You've been spot on again with the NFL. Um, but I think they might be using the NBA. I mean, if we date back to our childhood, growing up with Michael Jordan and John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas and Dominic Wilkins and and Co. And Carl Malone. Really, yeah, that was really, really tough going in the NBA. If you look at it now, they barely defend. Well, that's perfect. So this is a perfect segue. The US lost in, in the FIBA World Cup. This is a team they used to absolutely dominate every single tournament. Nobody could get close to them. All this time management and player management of playing certain games and not playing, they become pampered. They're pampered poochers. They really are. And that's why they're losing these international tournaments. Right? We, we spoke about this already last week, about being the world champions by winning the NBA. Right? And then I can't remember his, his name now. But he said, no, world champions of what? This is the world championship here. And what they do? Oh, yes, that athlete. Um, was he the, the sprinter? I can't remember, to be honest. But anyway, yeah. so yeah. so this is what this is my point. That's starting to reflect now on their world game. They lost very they lost to Lithuania and Germany and these teams that, you know, the US used to beat teams minimum by 40, 50 points minimum. That's if teams got yeah. that's if a team got close. The, the demise of the United States is happening before our eyes, and we are oblivious to it. It is, but we, we won't go too 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 much into that. But anyway, so we're talking here about the masculinity being taken out of sport and sport being a mechanism and as a means to push these agendas. It's happening. It's happening all over the world, right? And it's sad. We'll keep going. Um, trade period, AFL trade period. 
it seems like it's become the thing to do on every single corner. Everyone's talking about AFL trade period. What's going on? Like, who do we follow? Who do we listen to? <laughs> it's unbelievable. It is. And the ratings for the dedicated platforms in Victoria um, spike, I think, some 200% around trade period. For whatever reason, everybody wants to know who is um, changing teams. Well, it's exciting. Who had... It's excitement, uh, Tony. People want to know who's coming into their team and who's leaving. They are, but I don't think the AFL is moving with the times and utilising the 10-day period. It just seems to be everybody wants to know who's moving teams, but it's also at saturation point, and I don't think the clubs and the media organisations have moved with the times. Uh, we spoke about this on Tuesday. They're definitely not moving with the times. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely not. But what do you do? Well, maybe maybe this is something that one of the things that actually I, I won't share it. I'll keep that between me and you. Um, all right, we'll, we'll keep going. Can Ken Ken Hinckley save his re- reputation on Saturday if they go out in straight sets? That's shattering, straight up. Shattering. There's a there's surely a better description than shattering. Yeah, well, shattering for who? Just so our viewers understand what we're referring to, Ken Hinckley is the coach of Port Adelaide. He was recently re-signed for another two-year deal for 2024-25. And this was based on, which I said to you, which was media bullying. And the club had been bullied into signing him early. Kane Corns was going almost, you know, every second or third day about Ken Hinckley being re-signed. Which, I- which is and it's smart by Ken Hinckley and his management to have such a powerful voice continually pepper his platform saying that he should be re-signed. And yes, Hinckley did coach Port Adelaide to 13 consecutive wins, but if they lose to the GWS Giants on Saturday in Adelaide, he then fails two finals and then becomes another talking point as to whether he should be coach of Port Adelaide. Uh, it's a tough one. He's had a good year. Very good year, but you but then, only become but, a great coach if you make the grand final. But then you, as a as a management team, you look at yourself and you say, you've given him all these teams over the years. He hasn't been able to deliver. Are we going to just sit with him again? Or what are we going to do? Or do we just pull the trigger now? So, Well, maybe it's in the contract. Does he have to reach the finals next year to continue in his position? Yeah, but it's too late next year, mate. But as soon as you have a good year, every single team works you out and Next year, it's almost impossible to get back up there. You know what? If I was the Gold Coast Suns, I would have chosen Ken Hinckley over Damien Hardwick. Really? Yep. Why is that? Damien Damien Hardwick's a three-time premiership coach and will go down as one of the greats of Richmond. But he said he was burnt out, resigned earlier this season, left. He's done a lot of overseas travel. But I just don't think... He is the right person for the Gold Coast. Damien Hardwick has three premierships under his belt, so he doesn't have to prove anything. Hinkley does, and Hinkley has been an assistant to Guy McKenna uh, when the Gold Coast Suns came into the competition. Well, but, you know, people like Hardwick, those high achievers, they need different challenges in their their lives, and I think this will be a challenge for him. 
I think he should have had a year out in the media. Uh, what for? Do what? Ross Lyon was in the media for, for how many years and now he's back coaching? Right. Yeah, I, I think Ross Lyon is probably one of the greatest coaches in the AFL's he history, is. and he has got a premiership. His team, he's been, he's been unlucky, and this team that that he that he inherited needs needs a bit of work, and I, and he knows that. He's he's a bit of work. Yeah, he he definitely Kilda, knows that. Sorry, St Kilda. When Ross first coached St Kilda, after Grant Thomas, he turned them into a team of superstars. St Kilda has got three well-known players. You know, they're definitely struggling and they've got a lot of recycled players too. So, anyway. Um, all right, we'll keep going. Is there an AFL 360 setup for grabs? Well, um, well, in short, yes. Uh, our understanding of raw sports is that um, the AFL 360 panel will look very, very different in season 2024. Is that due to the retirement of Jack Rewalt? By any chance, Jack Rewalt? Yeah, he's no. He's been on there a couple of times. He has, yeah. but um, there's a suggestion his cousin may play a more significant role in season 2024. What Nick? What Nick? No, it's just Nick. That's yeah, his name. I'm saying what? Do you mean Nick? Yes, I do. He's living in the states. Well, the strong suggestion is out of Melbourne, is that he will play a significant role as a potential co-chair to Jared Waitley next year. Interesting. So he's coming back then? That's our understanding, yes. He he, he probably couldn't handle the uh, Texas heat, mate. Gets really, really hot in Texas. Um, <laughs> interesting. And look, honestly, I think it, it would be good. It's a fresh face. It's a former champion. Why not? You you got your, tra your traditional journal and you got the champion alongside him. Why not? A more football perspective. Yep. Oh, will we? Oh, look, you know, whatever happens to that potentially vacant seat will be a very interesting discussion because it drives so much talk back topic. It sorry, drives so much talk and conversation in the AFL. Yeah, world. it does. It's a very powerful position, actually. Because the next day yes. the papers write about everything that, that they talk about, literally. Um Correct. So and they get some good guests. Yeah, it does, yes, absolutely. All right. We'll change codes now. The NRL. Um, NRL star and former NFL player Valentine Holmes escapes Scott free from a suggestive pic on his Instagram. You're just having a, well, you're just having a beer, Tony. What's he was having a beer, but there was a visible suggestion that an illicit substance was protruding from his mouth. Now he's denied that. It could be so, it could be it, a piece of cardboard though. A white, white well, it could be. It, it doesn't um it doesn't uh, specifically say it doesn't specifically show us what is actually hanging out of his mouth. It can't be proven. Now it looks like that. It could have been anything. It could have been flour. It could have been a piece of cardboard. But it, uh, according to NRL rules, you are not allowed to drug test players in the off season. Now I don't mind what players do in the off season. They should be free to do as they choose. But when it's in competition from the preseason to the grand final, they should be drug tested. Outside of that, in their own free time, they should be free to do as they please. Interesting point. Uh, interesting point. And, and, I, and I think I totally agree with you on that one because you want the, the playing field to be level across the board. 
Um, all right, we'll keep going. Ryan Pappenhausen, we spoke about him on Tuesday. There was talks that he will never play again. Well, mate, we've had was that just raw sports, or was that um, fear from across the the section of the community and the uh, NRL? Um... Well, injuries always look worse when they first happen. Well, so but he's just coming you, off a, a, a shattered knee bone, which is probably the worst that they've ever seen. He came back ten yeah. months later. He's played three games and he's injured his lower leg. So, my it's injury, mate. Our thoughts go out to Ryan Pappenhausen and the Melbourne Storm because he's such a critical member of their, you know, premiership. Um, of their makeup, yeah. But yeah. if he is having serious injuries on the back of each other, my philosophy would be to go and see a psychologist because often sports stars break down when something's going on between their ears. Why is that? Well, because. They, if you become mentally weak, your body then manifests it from the neck down and you are more prone to injuries. Interesting. We, we have a psychologist here on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Tune in every week. We'll, we'll start taking your phone calls. Why, <laughs> why do I need to pay $180 to speak to somebody when I know my body better than anybody else? Uh, there's, questions. There's, there's, there's questions about that. But anyway, we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll take your word for it and keep going. Um on to boxing, Mike Tyson unleashes on the GOAT Floyd Mayweather. He's not too happy from him, is he? Well, it's funny. From you know, I've always considered Tyson and Ali to probably be the GOATs, and I think Mayweather's definitely in that discussion. But Mayweather turned around and labelled himself the best over Ali, and Tyson pulled him up on social media. Well, let's just put it that way. He said... He can't even take his kids to school alone. If he was the greatest, he would have been able to. Another thing is Anthony Joshua had like a public appearance event and Mayweather was there with him and everyone was walking straight past Mayweather and going to Joshua. Literally. No where, joke. It's on yeah. social media. Where? Uh, where? I watched it yesterday, literally. Yeah, and, but and you where, know, was the, where was the, the function? Somewhere somewhere in England or the, or, the, or the UK. But let's say it was Muhammad Ali or Tyson. They're known everywhere, mate. Everywhere, there's nowhere that doesn't know Mike Tyson. No one, oh, yeah. all, all in, the world. in the world, yes, yes, in the world, even in the Arabian desert, yes, there, yeah, and even in the depths of Africa, they all know Mike Tyson, exactly. So, that's the point. So, he's not even close to Tyson, let alone Ali, the guy who changed boxing forever. But anyway, um, we wish Ford Mayweather the best, and we wish our, our man Mike Tyson. <laughs> what are we, what are we? Why don't we try and track um, Mayweather's jet and try and find out where he is? That's that's your specialty, mate. I actually met Tyson in 2014 at the Boxing Carnival in, in Vegas. He, geez, he's a unit, mate. He yeah, is he's a unit. unit. I'll tell you what, a personal story based on the, your luck and ability to meet Tyson because you are very well connected in boxing circles, Armit. Everybody knows that. I flew to the United States three times with Australian world champion Jeff Fennick. Three times to meet with Mike Tyson. And you know what happened every time we landed in LA? Nothing. Tyson left. Wow. And then I'll tell you another story. I've also spent some time with Mayweather. We sat in a in a uh, private theater in uh, Oprah Winfrey Studios in 2016. Wait, he was, yeah, he was premiering a uh, documentary around um, Thanksgiving. He goes out to all these uh, towns african-american neighborhoods and gives out toys and turkeys and so on and so on so the, the guy's a nice guy he does a lot of great work they're just levels to this game i wouldn't put him at the same level as mike tyson and, and muhammad ali 
personally. Um, no, but I look, you know, the only criticism I have of Tyson is his career went too long and he may have slightly damaged his reputation by fighting for money instead of uh, reputation. They all fight for money. He's the youngest world champion ever. He so. is and was an absolute brute. Although I, th- I think technically Ali was probably a better fighter. That's a long conversation. That's a big conversation within itself. We'll keep going. Serena Williams, social media threat against old rival, Simona Halep, drug cheating. What's going on? Simona Halep's been banned from playing professional tennis for four years for drug cheating, and her arch nemesis, Serena Williams, the GOAT, turned around and took to her social media, I think on X, formerly known as Twitter, and said it should be eight. There's wow. obviously there's obviously a bit of few that is uh, only just bubbling to the surface that we didn't know about. Bad blood, don't we love bad blood, Tony? It encourages well, conversation. Oh, well, that goes back to our previous conversation. For those who want to go back to the very start about um, filtering our sporting contest, but we love animosity between sports stars. We vicariously live through our sporting teams and stars every week. Hundred percent, absolutely. And so, the more conversation, the better. Oh, 100%. Now, Ahmed, I want your opinion on this. Is four years too long for Simona Halep? Yeah. What What should her penalty be? Uh, 12 months and a big fine. Yeah, I, I like the idea of that. Maria Sharapova was banned after the Australian Open and spent 12 it, months on the sidelines. Yeah, it kills It kills their whole career. All right, we all make mistakes. Everyone, every, everyone makes mistakes. So don't give him a, jail, a lifetime jail sentence. That's pretty much her, her career's over. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I disagree. I'm sorry. I totally agree. I, I think four years is far too harsh. I think 12 months out of the game and, I don't know, what did you fire a million dollars? Big fine. Big fine. Big what, fine. A million? Yeah, big fine. So, so so she can pay for it. Make her make her earn it. Yeah. Brother, to spend, paying money is worse than, than sitting out. Yeah, I, mate, you have been spot on today. Where have you been for the last 13 episodes? Uh, somewhere in Cloud 99, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll keep going. Um, Monday night, US time, Tuesday morning, Australian time, mid-morning. Huge game. The uh, New York Jets versus the Buffalo Bills. Matchup of the quarterbacks. You had Aaron Rodgers on one side, and on the other side you had, oh, well, I've gone blank. Buffalo Bills quarterback. What's his name? Uh, no, just it, it, Josh Allen. Two big quarterbacks, heads ahead. Aaron Rodgers, $112 million deal. The Jets signed him from the Green Bay Packers. Made news everywhere. Best commercial year for the Jets ever. Money coming in. The network's coming through. They've been booked for six primetime uh, uh, placements throughout the year. They're playing in the first ever Black Friday game. That's Amazon is organizing. It's going to have this special e-commerce sort of a televised broadcast. And guess what happens? Four plays in. Aaron Aaron Rodgers goes down in injury. Would you believe it? And what? A season-ending injury at 39 years old. 22.6 million viewers tuned into that game. The highest ever Monday night. TV audience ever down goes Rogers. 
What an anticlimax. And it was early in the game, correct? Four plays in. Wow. So now what happens to all the primetime uh, placements that, the, that they have the Jets in? <laughs> it's going to be a tragedy. If they can't bring somebody in that keeps them competitive and playing it, by the, t- by the way, they won in overtime. They won the game in overtime. It was an unbelievable game. But now the NFL's got a problem. They placed the Jets based on Aaron Rodgers playing in six uh, primetime placements. So, for example, if we bring it here, like a Friday night game, that's probably the biggest night, right, in football? Yeah. A Friday night. They put them on six of them. And then they put them in a new game that's been that's been created by Amazon, Amazon Prime, because they also broadcast the NFL on Thursday nights, for Black Friday. It's part of the whole Black Friday sale. You know, now in today's world, the whole – that's a new – this is why the NFL is – so look look at the innovation. Amazon comes in, starts a Black Friday game. There will be there will be ways to purchase through the broadcast. I'm like, what are we doing, mate? We discuss- One day in September. Come on, mate. It's the same story over and over again. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that. But what an anticlimax, Tony. Crazy, isn't it? I mean, you have been spot on the entire episode, and it's just frustrating that – we learn a cycle in Australia and in this particular case, the AFL world, and then people just work. They might become mice on a on a running wheel. <laughs> well, once you learn the cycle, yeah. there's no innovation. That's the problem. But anyway, what do you do, mate? We'll just keep going. That brings us to the end, end of the show. Like I do every single week, I promise fans around the world, I go to Tony Sheen for, for some fans, for some words of wisdom. What do you got for us this week, mate? Well, my words of wisdom are for Toby Green, the GWS Giants captain. And I hate to say this, but you've got to end Ken Hinckley's season Saturday night. Go, son. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week, Tuesday, 10 a.m. Tune in or be there or be square. See you later. Be square.